Today we're going to hear from a brother um, and a father, a spiritual father in the faith for me. Um, you've heard me talk, if you've come here for a while, you've heard my preaching. I, I mentioned how much I was molded and shaped by Tom. But you know, the truth is, I was shaped by his grace. By his grace. And so today as he comes, and I don't know what he has to say to us. You know, I don't know what God's going to use him for today. But I'm excited about it. But I want to know, I want you to know this. Our call is to be faithful followers. That's it. And if you just do that, you will change people's lives for now and forever. And tell us that. So would you come today and share with us? scripture that says taste and see that the Lord is good. And I feel that in this room today. <clears throat> We've tasted worship. The mighty God who is mighty to save. Yes, indeed. Look around. We have to the blasters. Do what? We have to the blasters. The blast students are supposed to leave now. <laughs> we can go with the flow down there. But it is, it's, it's great and wonderful to, to be here today. Um, we had a chance to, uh, my wife and I, and I last night had a chance to uh, visit with Chris and Bill and Nate and Olivia, and you know what's fun is when you, you can be gone and you haven't seen anybody for years and you come back together, and it's like you never missed a meet. You never missed a day. It is, it is something about reconnecting in a soul way. You know? Something renewal about that. And, uh, I was in such awe of just your worship. I, I love the worship this morning. And the music. And the words of praise that we sang to God. And I, there was a moment I, I felt like, is this what heaven is going to be like? Amen. Isn't that awesome? But you have an awesome worship. And I thank God for that. It's just been a, been a, a wonderful Something going on? <laughs> okay. <clears throat> but I was amazed at looking at, at, at photographs and at pictures and at videos. And, you know, the technology is just, don't you find technology fun? Huh? Are you keeping up with technology? What, what, what I like about technology, <clears throat> 
uh, Facebook and social media, you know what people are doing today? They're sending pictures. You know, we don't really write much anymore, but we just send pictures. And what, what's that passage that says, no, it wasn't a passage of scripture, but it says a picture is like a thousand words. Well, I brought you some pictures today. <clears throat> and I thought, uh, I think uh, somebody said it was a five-year journey for Bill and Chris. No, it's not. It's longer than that. <laughs> now, you're going to have to show me, Bill, how to, how to do this. Oh, okay. Big button. Let's see what happens. Are you ready? Huh? Oh, it's Bill. One of the things... One of the things that I love about Bill, you never know how Bill's going to look. Bill, Bill always kind of changes his appearance. There's Farmer Bill. There's Farmer Bill. I love that. And then there's Explorer Bill. Who's that in the glasses? There's Casey. There's Holy Bill. <laughs> and there's Wild Bill. <laughs> I love that. <clears throat> I love this one. It was, it was an important time just to be able to get on the bike and ride and go. And <clears throat> then we have aliens from outer space. <laughs> you notice the red eyes?
and enjoying favor with all people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who remain saved. Amen? Today is a day of celebration. Today is a day of, of worship. And pictures kind of help recall where we've been, what's important. That's important. That's what it's about. Sometimes you know what happens? We forget those things, don't we? Sometimes it's important to take time and just look at some pictures to see what, where, maybe we can catch a glimpse of maybe where God has been in all this, all this stuff that we do together. And sometimes when you look back at a picture, you sometimes discover something that you've missed. I didn't even know what happened. I didn't remember that. I didn't see that. You, you miss something. In that moment, if you don't look closely, you'll miss it. This was another baby dedication about 10 years ago. I don't know who that handsome guy is but, uh, in the suit. But this is the dedication of Olivia Dempsey. When, when Bill and, and Chris brought Olivia, just like little Michael Rover, isn't that awesome? We would bring babies because they're a blessing. They're hope. I, I look at that picture and I'm reminded of that song, you know, I am a promise. I am a possibility. I am a promise with a capital P. I'm one great bundle of potentiality. That's awesome. It's a picture of hope. And, and I, I, I was so amazed at Olivia last night to see her. I hadn't seen her for so many, many years. She's growing up. Beautiful and wonderful person. But I looked at that picture and I saw something that I overlooked. I saw something in that picture that disturbed me when I looked at it years later. Anybody see what that might be? See any, anything disturbing? No, she wasn't very happy, was she? <laughs> you know, uh, Chris Robarts, Jessica, M My Micah was, where are you guys? Michael was just smiling, eyes wide open. And, and when you look at Olivia, she's crying. Actually, I think she probably was screaming. And, <laughs> and, and what, look at me, I'm oblivious to her, <laughs> her crying. And, and I looked at that and, and, I, I, and I, I thought, She evidently didn't feel safe with me. 
I didn't realize it at the time, but I was not helping her feel comfortable and safe. She didn't want to be where she was, at least in my arms. And, and, and she did the only thing that she knew how to do. She cries out. Today, Christians all over the world are beginning to observe the last week in the life of Jesus while he was here on earth. And, and the week begins with the triumphal entry. People waving Hosanna in the eyes. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And by the end of the next week, there's an open tomb and there's this angel. And he says, don't be alarmed. He's not here. He's risen. I want to share with you a passage out of Luke's Gospel. Well, one of the things I love about the Gospels is they, they give us a great, wonderful picture of what happened during this week, this last week of Jesus' life. And I want to begin reading, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 19. And I'm going to begin at verse 41. Chapter 19, verse 41. And Luke tells us that as Jesus approached, he saw the city and he wept over it. And he said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring peace, now it is hidden from your eyes. And the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. And they will dash you to the ground, you and your children within the walls. And they will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Did you get the picture? People are waving. It's a celebration! And Jesus is weeping. Contrast. In a few days, Jesus is going to find himself at that place. He's going to find himself at that wall. He's going to find himself hemmed in. Not knowing which way to turn. And just like Olivia, Jesus is going to cry out. I want to share with you how Luke kind of puts it in chapter 22. Verse 39, as they went out, as usual, to the Mount of Olives, he and his disciples, and 
on reaching the place, he said something to them. He said, pray that this temptation will not happen to you. And he withdrew a stone's throw away beyond them, and he knelt down and he prayed. He said, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will be done, but yours. And an angel from heaven came and gave him strength. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and the sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. And when he arose from prayer and he went back to his disciples, he found them sleeping, exhausted from sorrow. So why, why are you sleeping? He asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into this temptation. Now, I read that Looked at that week, studied about what was going on when Jesus was at this hour, at this place where he felt hemmed in, felt like he hit the wall. And I was trying to make out what? You know, how could you how could anybody be sleeping? And then I found this passage, I'm going to share it real quickly with you. It's in Hebrews, Hebrews 5, 7. And it says in there, it says, during the days of Jesus' life here on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the Lord who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. He was crying out, tears were falling from his face, and Mark comes in with a picture in high definition. This is how Mark puts it in chapter 14. Mark records. That Jesus was crying and saying, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And he says to them, stay. Keep watch. And I looked at that and I said, wow. Wow. How could his buddies, how could his friends be asleep? Jessica, there's Chris, you got the baby. <laughs> when you put Micah in the crib at night, and you and Jessica go sleep. Has he ever woke up in the middle of the night and cried? Not once. <laughs> Steve. <laughs> With your children. Were they ever in the crib at night and you found yourself to sleep and they cried out? And what did you do? <laughs> You kicked him out of bed. <laughs> you know, what's amazing is, is you can't sleep when you hear a baby cry. Absolutely no way. You're up and you're going. And I thought, how could his buddies sleep 
while Jesus is crying in anguish to God. And I realized, you know what happens to us as adults? We don't feel comfortable. When I'm holding this baby, evidently I didn't really feel that comfortable. We don't feel comfortable when another adult cries out, starts crying, has a breakdown. Have you ever been in a group of people and somebody in the group, huh, begins to have an emotional breakdown? What do we, do you feel comfortable? No. You don't, do you? You want to you back off? Whoop, getting a little bit too close here. Because you don't know what to say. You're afraid. You don't know what to do. I am now working with a hospice group in Memphis, Tennessee. Anybody ever have in here have an experience with hospice? Anybody have experience with hospice? You know, I find, I find that the word hospice is almost like the word cancer. People don't want to hear it. And then when you connect the word hospice with chaplain, you can scare the bejesus out of somebody. You know that? I'm a hospice chaplain, and they will jump and scare, scare to death. Even, even the staff that I work with, I work with three doctors, eight nurses, about 12 home health aides, two social workers, and myself. And they don't know what to do with me. In fact, they kind of, early on, they would say, well, here comes the shaman, rabbi, pastor, father, priest. <laughs> I had them so darn confused, <clears throat> but they were trying to cover their bases. And usually, when I call a, a you know a family up or a patient up, and I say, you know, I'm I'm the hospice chaplain. Can I come over? Are you a preacher? Who wants a preacher coming to their house, right? Ooh, it got kind of silent right there. Come on, loosen up. We don't want a preacher coming over to our house, do we? No. For the most part, I would say no. It scares for the Jeezies out of us. I was so amazed when I came and I found this Celtic word that was used to describe the monks of old who really worked with people who were dying of the plagues. And the word that they used to describe that monk was anam kara. Strange sounding word, isn't it? Anam kara. We get the word anam, animation. It's a word for soul. Kara is, is a word for grace, for friend. And when I, I saw that, oh, an anam kara is a soul friend. That's what I that's what I want to be. A soul friend. And we say, what a friend we have in Jesus. Jesus was that place in that hour next week where he is going to feel uncomfortable. He's not going to feel safe. 
to a few hemmed in. Because of that, Jesus knows how a person feels when the healthcare system looks at a person and says, we've done our best, but there's nothing more we can do for you. You need to go home, get your things in order. You have about six months to live. My, my patients range in age. Right now I have a young man with brain cancer and he's 18 years old. My oldest patient is 106. She was driving when she was 104. Her mind is sharp as a bat, but her body just kind of kind of given out. And, and when I talk to people who have been sent home, they're almost like a deer in headlights, you know, that dazed look. And I say to them, I say, how are you doing? You know? And they say, you know, I feel like I've, I've hit the wall. I feel like I'm being hemmed in. Jesus said, I don't know where to turn. I don't know what to do. I don't know what it's going to be like to die. Last, last fall, your pastor had one of the most marvelous series of, of sermons that I've heard. It was entitled Questioning Faith. You ever, how many of you remember Questioning Faith series? Huh? You do know? You don't? I, I travel sometimes 125 to, to 250 miles a day in West Tennessee. And I tell you, one of the things I do, I get tired of the radio. So I, I download podcasts. You have a website, and you can get on that website, and you can download that series, Questioning Faith. If you haven't heard it, you want to hear it. I, I guarantee you, you're going to be blessed because it's the most fundamental, most honest, and it allows us to question our faith. Why do we believe what we believe? There's nothing wrong with questioning and talking to God about what's going on in our life. And in that sermon series, and I think there was one sermon that really resonated with me, was entitled, How Does Life End? And in that sermon, Bill said something that just boom connected with me. You might remember he said there are two, the two most significant moments in our existence is birth and death. And I'll tell you what, that resonated with me. And here we are today dedicating a baby because we're celebrating what? Life. We're celebrating birth. And, and what I find in, in that other end of the extreme, in death, birth and death are those two times that God can speak to us in the most deep and personal terms. I had a patient 
I'm going to call her Brenda. Brenda was 42 years old when she began to have this illness that kind of slowly took away her ability to communicate. She was married. She had two children. Her husband was a deacon in the church. And he, for 10 years, faithfully took her to church and Bible study until her illness became too distracting and too embarrassing to him and the church. And so Brenda was kept at home. When I met her, she could just sit in a chair and she gibber jabbered. You couldn't make anything at all what she was trying to say. She just kind of gibber jabbered. Can you be with somebody when they go you feel like where are they? And I realized that I, I didn't I made her husband uncomfortable when I came. Because he had hit the wall with his wife. He was hemmed in. He didn't know what to do. He was so upset and angry at what happened in their life. And, and usually when I call on the phone, I said, you know, I'd, I'd like to come over and visit your wife. You know what he told me? He said, have at it. I probably won't do that. Did you catch it? Have at it. She had become more of an object. And, and to make matters worse, our staff got upset with him because Oftentimes he would come in, take her cheek, squeeze it, look in her eyes, and say, is anybody home? And then he quickly walked out of the room. That's some of you like See, that was the dilemma. Wait, was that a loving thing he was doing? Or a demeaning thing? Or was he doing it because he just didn't know what to do? Out of desperation, out of a cry. One day, I got there and he was, he was home. <laughs> he was sitting at a table eating a bologna sandwich, and I walked in, he said, my chaplain, he's pointing to Brenda's room. And I walked in, and by this time, Brenda was in a hospital bed. She no longer got out of bed. <clears throat> she didn't speak. She hadn't spoken for a couple of months. Most of the time, she just slept. Dr. Janet, we would say, she's in a state of decline. I find amazing about you and me, about most people, is that we will retain our hearing for, most, for the most part. Most people, would you agree that we keep the ability to hear until the end of life? 
if we're lucky. Gloria! Hi. How are you? I'm good. Good. You surprised me. The emotional and the spiritual side of our brain stays with us for the most part until the end of life. The rational side, the logical side, the part that stores all the facts and knowledge, why we go to school, short-term memory, often fails first, early. And, and, and so the question is, how do I connect with a person, you know, who doesn't remember I was there yesterday? And what I've discovered is that music, we come in here and we praise God with music, and there's times when I praise God and I hold my hand, I feel like I'm just connecting some way that I can't even express to you. Do you feel that way? It that music touches my soul in some place. And what I have discovered with people is that from the age of 15 up to about 25, whatever kind of music you're listening to and you like somehow gets into your system. And you will retain that music. And so I have found that music, of all things, can be an important tool to connect somebody and that's what I did with Brenda. I, I walked in there and I began to take my cell phone out. I got a little speaker, you know, I don't care those, what they call boom boxes. I just hooked my speaker into my iPhone and, and I started to play a hymn. And as the hymn was beginning to play, her husband came in eating the bologna sandwich and he just leaned against the door jam and he watched. And the strangest thing happened. As the hymn began to play, Brenda's eyelids, they were closed, her eyelids were closed, and they started to twitch a little bit. And I'm not going to say she smiled, I'm just going to say that there was a, a, a relaxed expression that came over her face. And he quickly left. And he returned shortly without the sandwich, and he sat on the couch across from the bed. And I played another hymn. And when I finished, I looked up at him and I said, I would like to pray for your wife. Would you like to join me? And he got up from that couch. He walked over to the bed. And I reached down and grabbed her hand. And he reached over and took her other hand. And he put his forearm his hand on her forearm. And I began to pray. I prayed to God and I prayed a blessing upon her and I prayed a blessing upon him and I prayed a blessing upon their daughters. And I began to hear a sniffle. And I continued to pray for God's peace, for God's presence, for God's comfort to come and draw me close. And I ended it with amen. And as soon as I ended, there was this soft, clear, thank you. And it didn't come 
Brenda's husband. He came from Brenda. And he bent down and he kissed her forehead. And it was in that moment, I believe, that God answered his question. Is anybody home? Yes. Somebody's home. And it's your wife. The woman that you love. Birth and death. And over the next couple of weeks, his daughter started coming and he came daily. And they would go in with Brenda and they would hold her hand, they combed her hair, they sang to her, they talked to her, and they shared things with her that needed to be shared. They were no longer afraid. They came to stay and keep watch. Now some of you might say, what is the point of this sermon? There is a place and an hour this week that Jesus is going to ask us to come to. And we don't want to go. We don't feel comfortable there. We would rather be someplace else. But it's a place where Jesus reveals to you and me that we have a soul. And that soul hungers and thirst to connect to God and to one another. Now my patients and their families have taught me that there are only 11 words worth saying. After I spent thousands of dollars in books, there's only 11 words that are worth saying. And I'm going to share those 11 words with you. I know the time is getting late, but I want to share those 11 words because you can use these 11 words as a prayer to God. You can maybe use these 11 words with your family this afternoon. And I know that some of you will want to take some of these words with you when you go to work tomorrow. 11 words. First three words. Please forgive me. Can you say that with me? Please forgive me. Say it again with conviction. Please forgive me. See, that didn't hurt. Next three words. This is important. If you want to write it down, write them down. Next three words. I forgive you. Who in your life needs to hear those words coming from your lips to them? That's six. Seven and eight. Thank you. See, that's what Brenda said. Thank you. I don't think we say those words enough. So that leaves, that's just nine, ten, eleven, right? Anybody want to venture a guess what the last three words are? Sorry. What? Give that girl a prize. I love you. 
I love you. And Bill, that's why we came. And that's what everyone wants to say.